Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs with Dave Cruz from Madison, Wisconsin. And today we are lucky enough to have Mike Levine with us. And Mike is a master designer. He's the co-founder and head of product at Clue, which is a period and fertility tracking app which has uh, millions of users. And Mike will definitely fill in some details there. And before Clue, Mike was with uh, some pretty big design firms, Frog Design and Fjord. So Mike has a quite a deep background in design. And what's also cool is that Mike lives in Berlin. He's doing this podcast from South Africa, but grew up in uh, Michigan, right next to Wisconsin. So uh, it's a good story. So Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. To, I brought on Mike because he has a, quite a background in design and is an app that's used by millions of people across the world. So I'm just curious how he put together, you know, the app and the design, just his thought process. And so first, we'll start off with a little bit of an intro on what's Clue, the the app, and a little bit more on Mike's background. And then we'll get more into how he thinks, uh, how Mike thinks about design. Get in his head a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, uh, can we uh, may, let's start off with your background? Can you just give us a a brief overview? Yeah, uh, sure. So I uh, started, I'm not sure how far back you want to go, but I started in uh, studying architecture, actually. So um, I graduated from a small farming town, Chelsea, Michigan, which is near Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, I started with architecture for about a year and a half, and then I switched to fine art and graphic design. So I went to Kendall in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, yeah, uh, study uh, fine art, so the kind of really traditional basics, uh, and then switched to uh, uh, graphic design, and then started getting into uh, digital media almost right away because it was right around uh, what the very early 90s when it started to emerge, like interactive CD ROMs, and uh, yeah, then the internet started to happen, and so I started really getting in early, just as my uh, started. strategy and then product strategy. So I've been doing design and product strategy uh, since uh, the internet happened. So really helping companies figure out what to do with technology uh, and how to do it, figuring, uh, helping them figure out what's next for them. And then that really just started to shape my career. And uh, I would say I finally got around, I was participating in the dot-com boom in San Francisco uh, helping companies figure out what to do for the first time, you know, how to transition into digital media and into connected services on the internet. And then uh, after now that it's matured, uh, helping companies just figure out what to do next. So design strategy and service strategy uh, at a very uh, kind of corporate level, doing a lot of work with Fortune 500 companies. Um, I've also worked in, uh, lived in Shanghai for about a year and a half. And so I had the opportunity to work with some pretty big brands in China, South Korea, and Japan, which was fun. And yeah, a lot of the work I would say I've done over the past 10 years has been more on that service design strategy and space. How was your experience in uh, Shanghai? Did that, uh, what, is it different designing for the, that population than here in the States? It, it is. 
I, there's a completely different landscape over there, both from a technology perspective and also the behaviors around technology are quite a bit different. If you look at um, how people use technology in Japan and South Korea, it's maybe more similar. Uh, China is uh, quite different. And all of those markets, uh, those developed markets in Asia are extremely different from either the U.S. or Europe. U.S. and Europe are quite similar in behaviors around technology. Uh, one of the things that I think is unique about those markets is that it's like stepping into Alice in Wonderland. So over in the U.S. and Europe, we're used to seeing a certain service landscape, you know, of Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, uh, Twitter, things like this. In China, most of those services are banned or they're not supported or they're discouraged. And so the government has supported its own development of services. And that's what I mean by the Alice in Wonderland effect. So if you're looking at the market over there, instead of, uh, say, um, Facebook Messenger, you have a service called WeChat. And people use that service instead, and then it operates very differently too. So they have service integrations on WeChat. So you can actually play games. Uh, so if you can imagine that there's a text-based interface by which you can play games, uh, and they're much more advanced, the text-based interfaces over there are much more advanced. So I would say there's a lot of differences. Um, they have started to get more similar, the phones, the hardware was different, you know, people, uh, have just different behaviors over there in general. So yeah, it is different. It is definitely different. And it was really interesting to learn about a lot of the research that I was doing over there started, which with, uh, what I would call cultural immersion. So really trying to understand how those behaviors are different and how they're the same. And so that things could be designed in a way that was very relevant for those audiences. Interesting. And do you think it uh, helped you design, become a better designer overall? Yeah, I think any time that as a designer, uh, you have the opportunity to stretch yourself into a new area, it gives you a new perspective. You learn about maybe some behaviors that are existing in these new markets uh, that you haven't been exposed to before, and you get ideas that you can bring back into uh, other places. So I would say that there's been a pretty heavy influence from the Asian market and how they use technology. Uh, they were, I would say, much more advanced in mobile technology for a long time. Uh, and so uh, a lot of inspiration could be drawn from those markets and then brought back into uh, the U.S. and European markets. But also, I mean, there's other markets that were very advanced at an early, uh, early before some of the markets in the U.S. and Europe, uh, like Finland, was definitely far ahead in mobile technology um, in terms of what people were able to do with them. Uh, and that's partly due to how the government adopts the technology. Smaller countries have an easier time. Uh, upgrading their technology base uh, so that everybody is using the same thing. Uh, it makes it easier for companies to innovate as well. So, yeah, I would say, though, anytime that you have a chance to do work and draw inspiration from other places, it's a great opportunity. That makes sense. And, and how did how did you end up in uh, Berlin? Is that because of Clue? Or... Oh, I yeah, I, I wanted to live in Berlin, really. Okay. Uh, I think uh, yeah, part, partly I was really looking for something meaningful to do. So I took uh, the last, uh, before I moved to Europe, the last thing I was doing was working at Frog. Okay. And I decided what year, uh, what year was I that? had done the... Wait, what year did you... Uh, uh, that was, last, I think 2009 is when I left okay. Frog. Okay. 
And I was, I was really, uh, I was in Shanghai in 2008, and then I came back to San Francisco uh, in 2009, and was working in uh, doing, you know, the, the same type of work that I've been doing before, mostly Fortune 500 companies and product strategies. And I started to just look for, have an interest in finding more meaningful work. And so I decided to just take a break. Uh, so I stopped working for a while. Started talking to people, looking for what opportunities were out there. I was really interested in working in something that was related to sustainability, um, and didn't find what I was looking for. Uh, most of the opportunities that I found were in the consulting space. Still, uh, that was just because that's where my network was. I think mostly. And then I decided if I was going to do something new, I wanted to try it in Europe. So I found an opportunity at Fjord, uh, the consultancy Fjord, and decided to. Uh, move, make the move to Berlin. Uh, I visited a couple times, really liked Berlin as a city. It's a very creative city, lots going on all the time, uh, pretty uh, intense amount of creativity in the city, and decided that that was a good place to be. So I made the move, uh, worked at Fjord there for about a year, and then met my, who are now my co-founders of Clue, and met them by way of a pro bono project <clears throat> at Fjord. They were interested in uh, they had already had the idea. Uh, uh, Edith Tin was the uh, is the CEO, and she had the original idea. Hans Rafaus uh, is her partner, uh, both uh, personally and professionally. And I met them uh, through that pro bono project. And just at that point, really had the light bulb go off for me that actually what I was interested in doing was not consultancy work anymore, and I was really interested in doing something that was more on the product side. So, you know, more uh, developing a product and owning the product and really shaping it over a longer period of time. And uh, the funny story of that is, is that I was thinking, you know, I wasn't the right fit for this project, this company, because it was, you know, uh, it was about women's health. <laughs> yeah. And I felt that, you know, I hadn't done design work for a really long time at that point either. It had been about 15 years since I had actually made something. I'd never made an app before. I'd never designed an app. Uh, hadn't done interaction design, so I'd really been focused on product strategy, design strategy, more of the thinking side of the of design. And uh, for those two reasons, I was not a woman, and I hadn't been doing design work for so long that I decided uh, that I wasn't interested. And I told him that uh, we talked about it, and said, actually, could you introduce me to some other places instead? And so I actually, by way of my co-founders, met a couple other uh, startups. I wasn't so interested in the uh, other ones that I had met. And eventually, uh, yeah, we came to terms, or I came to terms rather with uh, becoming a designer again. And that's how I joined, actually. Huh. And did they have much of an app, or had they raised money when you joined them? Or at that point, what year was that? Was uh, that, at that two, point? Was that 2010, 2000? What year was that about when you joined officially? That should have been probably around 2011, 2012, okay. somewhere in there. I can't remember. No, that's We fine. founded the company in 2012. Yeah, I, I don't have the date straight in my head. But they, I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, um, you know, at what, what, what type of stage were they at as far as like their, did they have a mobile uh, app or okay. did they raise money by then or? Uh, I think they had enough funding just to get the ball rolling, usually in the angel, you know, the angel yeah, investment yeah. stage. And they had uh, been working with some people around designing uh, the uh, the interaction model. 
So they're, they had things on paper, but they didn't have a prototype yet. So when they came in, they had a you know, thick stack of A4s, and they had you know, flows on them, wireframes, and they had the, the general idea of what the features should be, uh, but there really wasn't a strategy behind it, a design strategy. You know, they, had, they hadn't really shaped the product yet. Gotcha. And for the audience, if they don't know, can you describe what the clue... What what is the the Clue app a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So Clue is an app that's designed to help people track their menstrual cycle and or everything related to their health that's tied to that. So it helps somebody uh, track symptoms, uh, so they can see, for example, when the bleeding happens at certain times of the month, when mood changes occur, when the pains are happening, symptoms like uh, that are associated with PMS. Uh, as well as uh, other things like uh, hair loss, uh, acne, um, other body pains, uh, migraine headaches, um, high sex drive changes. So really everything around uh, the female system. And what who does is help people find correlations in their cycle so they can start to learn about their own cycle and the rhythm that they go through. They can set reminders for themselves so that they can be... Uh, alerted of when uh, PMS symptoms might be coming up, when the period might be coming up, uh, also when they're uh, more likely to get pregnant if they have unprotected sex, so when it's called the fertile window, so when the fertile window begins and ends. And that's really uh, what Clue does. It really helps somebody learn about their cycle and then uh, be aware of their cycle. Uh, the Clue alerts them of, of the changes that are possibly coming for the cycle so that they can just uh, plan, their, plan their life around it more effectively. And, and do you have women who, you know, they're trying to get pregnant, use it? I'm guessing that's one uh, big user base, but to, and there's also just people who are trying to be healthier. Um, or, yeah, who's kind of the typical user base? You know, we have one of the strange things about the approach that is very counterintuitive is that we don't focus on user segments. Huh. So what we've what I've tried to do, the design strategy, has been more to look at as diverse of a population as possible and to look for the commonalities between all of those people. And so, for example, the commonalities that exist between people who are trying to get pregnant, people who are trying to avoid getting pregnant, people who are trying to learn about their cycle, is that they just need to know where in the cycle they are and they need to know what's going on in their body at a particular moment. And if somebody can see when their fertile window is, they can either have sex, unprotected sex, or not have unprotected sex, depending on what their goal is. And so we focus on that as far as a broad use case. So it's the use case that really connects everybody together, developing insights about their cycle. And uh, yeah, we do have a lot of people that use it to uh, when they're trying to get pregnant um, and as well for a lot of other things. Uh, a lot of people, uh, one, uh, probably the most feedback that we get, uh, we, we definitely get a lot of people writing in saying like, yeah, I got pregnant, thank you. Uh, but we also get a lot of people who are, uh, for example, identifying that they have a, health, a medical problem. Hmm. Really? So one of the things that has been, yeah, um, and, and that clue is designed for that, for sure, because one of the things that has been interesting to hear over the course of clue has been out for about three years now is that the if people have been tracking regularly and consistency, they are able to see patterns and changes more quickly. And by that, if they see a dramatic change, uh, they can identify it more quickly 
and they can go and talk to their doctor about it. And we have semi-regular, we're part, quite regular, uh, not frequent, thankfully, but we have people write to us regularly and let us know that they diagnosed a uh, medical emergency for themselves, like an ectopic pregnancy. Wow. And if they if that's, if that's diagnosed early enough, it's not an emergency, but it has to be diagnosed quickly. And so those are some of the things, um, you know, I, I, part of the thing that's been interesting for me about this, and Clue is definitely designed for rapid entry, and it's part of the, uh, the strategy. And the people, when they write to us, they say, thank you, uh, you know, Clue has been so easy to use that I've been much more consistent in my tracking. And because it was because I was consistent in my tracking, I discovered this problem. So the usability actually helped them solve a medical problem for themselves. Interesting. That... And I think that, you know, that's, yeah, so somewhat unique to our category because we are in health, of course, so, you know, we will provide those benefits by nature. But the fact that users are drawing that conclusion to say that I tried using apps before and I wasn't, I, I stopped using them because they weren't easy to use. I kept using Clue. And I think that's a, a message out there for people who are focused on making apps easy to use. Uh, apps that have some kind of benefit to their users is that if you make them easy to use, the, that benefit that you're trying to provide is amplified. And I feel very fortunate to be in you know, working in a field where we're providing you know, benefits to so many people and that they, they identify that for themselves. Yeah, sounds like you did a pretty, uh, pretty good job of a design because that's, that's some impressive uh, feedback from you get from users. And so, and the, yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about design since uh, that's uh, one of the reasons I wanted on the show. And uh, so how, you, know, you said that they need like feedback, they need to see the benefits from using the app. Um, like how, how do you get that? Especially, you know, I could see over the long term getting that feedback but you know you really have to hook these like how how little time do you need to hook somebody to actually start using the app on a regular basis and then how do you provide like that kind of more immediate benefit or do you well uh, yeah uh the first time somebody receives the benefit is during the setup process and uh, that was something uh with a, a, a shift that we made um, we redesigned the, the setup process for clue is that as somebody is going through the setup process, they actually discover, so for example, you're going through the setup process and you're asked to enter when um, was your last period, how long is your typical cycle, uh, and through that, just those two pieces of information, um, we know where you're likely you are. So we give that feedback directly to the user. We say, hey, next period, it looks like it's going to start in you know eight days. And so we provide that benefit. Wow. Uh, we try to demonstrate benefit right away. And then uh, they answer a few more questions. Uh, we can tell them, you know, uh, for example, when they say how long their typical cycle is, we can tell them immediately based on uh, scientific literature uh, if, if that's within typical ranges. Uh, there's typically a lot of uh, anxiety around women's health. You know, am, is my, am, am I normal? Am I healthy? And what we try to do is at that very early stage, even in the setup process, let people know that actually, yeah, everything's okay, because most of the time everything is okay, and it has a tremendous relieving effect. So that when somebody actually then starts using the app, they're already we already relieved from the anxiety, they already feel more at peace, and so they're not uh, wondering, you know, they're not carrying that anxiety forward into the next month. We've already given them that answer. 
Interesting. And so I think that the benefit, yeah, the benefit comes quite early. Then as soon as they open up, you know, when they get to the mainstream clue, they see where they are in their cycle. They see visually, they see a graphic of representation of the cycle, uh, you know, from beginning to end. And there's a dot that indicates you are here. So it's a map of their typical cycle and they can see where they are. And so that benefit, hopefully we've hooked them right away. The other part that we've hopefully hooked people with is that when they start doing the tracking, they see how easy it is to use. Uh, the Some of the moments of truth come when they, when they set up their own reminders. You know, the, some of the reminders are set up by default, for example, uh, to have an alert of when the next period is coming. And as soon as they get that reminder and they have that, like, uh, that moment of, ah, oh, I'm glad yeah, I know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that's a good, you know that's a that's a good moment, and a lot of people, I would say, the primary use case is uh, the period prediction, and probably after that is the PMS prediction, and then we also have about 100 pages of uh, medically referenced text and clue that covers everything, every uh, part of the cycle, uh, women's health, um, and we're always putting more in. Uh, we have some more that's going to be coming up pretty soon that allows somebody to learn really in depth about what's going on in their body. Uh, probably things that they haven't heard or uh, been taught, been, you know, had information, really thorough and well-sourced information uh, since they were a kid and were going to school. Because if people were taught this when they were kids, but of course, if you taught that in middle school when you're in eighth grade, <laughs> all of that's going to go away over time. Yeah, yeah. Because you also don't have as much real-world reference point for it. And here, now, here's a real-world reference point. You're planning your week. You can see where you're at in your cycle. And if you want to know information about what this part of your cycle is about, you can actually read pages of text inside of Clue about that. Hmm. That was good. You sold me. I wish I was a woman. I could, uh... (laughs) 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 You need to make the the Clue for men. Um, I don't know what that would be, but uh, that sounds... uh, That's interesting. So... Um, speaking more about design, like what's that kind of that value benefit thinking, how, you know, you need to, uh, create that benefit immediately. Was that part of the initial app and, you know, kind of take us back to how, when, when you're like, when you, mm-hmm. when they brought up the idea, like what goes through your head and like, how are we going to start? There's a lot of pieces to put together. How do you kind of approach that? Something like that, um, well, I could say uh, I think probably the, the, the funny part of the story, which is uh, I started to talk about a little bit already, which is I hadn't done design work for 15 years, and I had never designed an app. You know, Clue is still the only app I've ever designed, <laughs> right, you know, nice. uh, except for just you know, some little, so some little you know projects on the side or something. Uh, but uh, I mean, I what really happened was I had to simplify the problem dramatically. Because my my skill, my my ability to solve a complex problem, uh, it wasn't there. You know, the, the the skill wasn't there. I had exercised it for so long. So part of the, the first thing that I did was just really radically simplify the problem that I was trying to solve. And so it was really I had, I came up with uh, two design principles um, to focus on. Initially, now we have more, uh, but initially it was just uh, make it fast from an interaction perspective and happy from a design perspective. And the reason for those two is that if we were a app that was going to collect data um, and it was manual data entry, it had to be fast. 
you know, really, really had to be fast. We would, you know, we would succeed or fail based on how easy to use and how fast the data entry was. And so the target was actually for a use case that was less than 10 seconds, which we got to. And actually, um, in just typical use, you know, when we clock people on it, if all they're trying to do is enter period data, uh, a typical use is just about six seconds. And when you start to use an app, you see it, six seconds is, you know, not a, uh, not a, a super short period of time. You launch the app, you navigate to a screen, you tap on a button, you tap on another button, and basically that's at a clue. That's when you're done. You can exit, you can exit clue, and then you, you know, enter the, a piece of data. If you want to enter more data, of course, and it takes more time. So from the from the early, early design, really focused on fast. The second part uh, that I was focused on after doing a lot of interviews and talking to people uh, from uh, just a, as if from a research perspective, a big part of what I do and how I inform my design is just talking to people, um, you know, in more of a in-context or one-on-one interview, talking about how, how do they feel their body, what are the concerns that they have, really trying to understand the emotional landscape um, and uh, what's going on for somebody related to their health. And it was very clear that there's just a lot of anxiety and decided that the way to deal with that anxiety was just not to reflect it, but to uh, provide a happy place for somebody to be. So when they launch food, we're not reflecting back that anxiety or, or reflecting back the concern. Um, we provide a very science-based approach, so the information that we provide is very neutral, it's not emotional, but the design is emotional, and it's intentionally emotional, and it's a happy design. And we did that on purpose to uh, provide a counterbalance to the anxiety that people uh, normally have. Um, we uh, Part of the way that I, I made sure that we were actually getting that was through Kind of, I think what I would just describe as usability testing. So somebody would open up the app and they smile. I knew I was doing the right thing, or if they laughed. And there's a lot of moments mm-hmm. in Clue where somebody's using Clue that they can actually laugh because the, uh, there's a, a lot of iconography in Clue and it all has an empathetic sense of humor to it. So if somebody is tracking sex, for example, they have final sex, the thing that they see is this. You know, figure that's reclined in a sexy way. <laughs> you know, a suggestive, a suggestive way. Yeah. And uh, all of those, like, all of those ideas for the icons came from the people that, you know, or the rather, they didn't all come from them, but they were all validated uh, by the people who were doing the testing with. So if they didn't smile or if it didn't get an emotional reaction, I kept, I kept going. You know, kept iterating those and kept refining those. And really, that's what's been fundamental to creating this experience that, that people have when they use Clue is that it's very fast and it's just a nice experience. It makes people happy when they use it. And that is how I constrained <laughs> and then just try reducing the feature set as much as possible uh, so that I didn't get myself into trouble with the interaction model. So there wasn't so much depth uh, because, again, because I hadn't done that before, I was, I was really afraid of just creating a mess myself <laughs> and, and all of that worked out i also had i also had some good collaborators i had some support uh from friends who were you know, talking me through some of the rougher moments <laughs> of my lack of lack of confidence <laughs> and it uh it worked out it definitely worked out so so how, how do you design for happy i mean you, you mentioned like you know some of the the icons can make people laugh is it also the colors or it's 
Is it more like you said, yeah. just trying to make people laugh? Was that the yeah? What's your thought process on? Yeah, it? yeah. It was definitely. I mean, if you think of happy things, you think of uh, parties, circus, um, circus. Yes. You know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, you can think of uh, toys. Yep. Right. Uh, and so, really, uh, if you draw inspiration from those things. Kids are just by nature a lot of times happy, so you could look at the things that they interact with too. Uh, but really, the things that I was drawn to were primary shapes. So the, the clue is mostly circles and squares, the dominant interaction elements, you know, perfect circles and perfect squares. It has this easiness to it, hmm. right? It has this, uh, this uh, uh, geometric familiarity to it. It's not complicated, it's very basic shapes. Uh, and then the color palette is really wild, right? Very bright yeah, yeah. colors, very saturated colors. Um, and just try to use those to the best advantage to, to create that mood. And then along with the iconography. But I would say the iconography is a, a really big part of it. If you stripped out the icons and just put text in there, uh, you're still left then with the, the colors. It works, you know, the basic geometric forms. And the combination of those and the, the, the quickness of it, of it, of using it, how it feels light, it doesn't feel heavy when you're using it, it gets out of the way, um, is, I think, all the thing that contributes to that happiness. That, yeah, that makes sense. And you guys have another number of men who use the app as well. Is that right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Like, I, I can't remember what the numbers are, but we have... Um, a lot of our Facebook likes uh, are from men, a very large percentage. We sometimes get emails from people in our support channel uh, contacting us about asking questions, and they're very obviously guys, um, and they might be using it to track themselves. They might be using it uh, in cooperation with their uh, partner because uh, uh, several times, uh, well, a number, a good number of times we've heard that the uh, – that the woman in a relationship is not tracking herself. She doesn't want to use the app to track herself. And so that's the partner's, the male partner's contribution to the relationship is that he does the tracking for her. Um, so there's, uh, we just also then hear also people are just using Clue to track themselves regardless of whether or not they have a cycle. So yeah, we have a very wide range of people. We also have designed it intentionally from the beginning to not reinforce stereotypes, aesthetic stereotypes related to gender. So uh, one of the things that uh, gave us very early success, it has a very contemporary design. And it's not referencing butterflies, pink, flower, glitter, rainbow, unicorns, right? Which most of the apps before we were on the market were doing. They were mostly designed for little girls. Hmm. And you know, they're, you know, a big chunk of the population, way more of the population that have a cycle that are, you know, in their past their teens, before they uh, before they stop having their periods, it's a massive chunk of the population, and it tells me why so many of those early apps were designed only for teenagers or for the look for teenagers. So we took away that aesthetic of a little girl aesthetic, you know, the stereotypical little girl aesthetic, and we designed it in a very neutral way. So that we, that clue could be used by anybody, regardless of how they identified from a gender perspective, or how they felt 
that's smart. And uh, so how do you now, now when you want to make changes to the app uh, for design and user experience, how do you make those decisions? Do you make them based on analytics, based on watching people? Like it sounds like you do a lot. Um, or just ask your users and, and and how do you test that? Do you test it on a small group of, of uh, users and how does that work? Yeah, I think different problems are solved different ways with different types of data. You know, um, most of the data that uses is qualitative, which is more what you were describing in the first part, which is the observation of people using it, uh, qualitative feedback from the market. Uh, we have a beta testing pool that we send uh, new features out. To, uh, we show prototypes to people in person. Uh, it's a big process uh, to get feedback. Um, my background, part of what I, what I bring to Gloop, uh, is user research, a very, uh, very diverse set of tools, uh, very quick tools also. I think it's important to know uh, that you can take a fast tool to answer any question, and the better you are at selecting that tool to answer a particular question, the more efficiently you can get that answer. So part of what we try not to get stuck in is just, you know, so much user feedback that we just never make a decision, right? So we rely also on a lot of our uh, common sense, our experience. We have a lot of very experienced people on the team. I'm not doing any of the design anymore. Um, I still say that some of the direction, I'm collaborating with people on setting the direction, but we really have a very experienced team and we rely on our collective intelligence for making a lot of those decisions where we feel that we need feedback. And sometimes we don't you know, feel like we need feedback. We're confident of the decisions that we make and that we, we put them out there. And really the best feedback comes from uh, the app actually and the, the new features and the changes that we make actually being out in the hands of millions of people. That's the best way to get feedback. You know, we, we know then whether or not it's working or not. Yeah. There is, it's difficult to get a sample size large enough. Otherwise, you can do A-B testing, uh, but it's, it's oftentimes you don't need to slow yourself down by doing that. Uh, if you have a good team making good decisions and you can rapidly turn something around, it's actually not working in the market. So it's really about uh, making smart decisions and in-market iterations, and then you make you take the feedback on anything that you're uncertain of. No, that makes sense. And and I know we're kind of running out of time here, uh, but a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. And well, and one question around that was: Do you do you have an example of where you know in the recent uh, past you you know you implemented a new feature, and then how how you know, how did you know that was working? Do you, do you set essentially goals ahead of time and f make sure that uh, you're hitting those goals? I mean, I suppose every single every single new idea is going to have different, <laughs> pretty different goals, whether it's interactions, number of uh, clicks, or um, yeah, how do you how do you lay out the program for implementing a new uh, feature? We start working on a new feature uh, at the very beginning. We get uh, anybody who wants to participate in the team to contribute ideas. So we get the whole, uh, and we have a kickoff meeting, and anybody at the company, all three of us, if anybody has an idea that they want to contribute, we can all hack into a room and talk about it. And usually the people who have ideas are the ones who show up, and we talk about it. And part of that meeting is actually set, is setting the goals. So how are we going to measure 
the success of this feature. And usually it comes down to a few key metrics. It might be, you know, are people using it, obviously? Is it working quickly enough? Is it uh, in-depth enough? You know, are they spending, it might be something that we want them to spend time with, like we want them to read that text that we put into Clue. Um, but we really figure out what are the few key metrics. Usually it's just one. Uh, sometimes it might be two. And then we measure those. Uh, and sometimes the thing that we have to measure is qualitative, and if that's what it is, then we get qualitative feedback. So it's really picking, I think part of the challenge is really narrowing down and picking the, the best possible measure of success. You don't always get it right. Maybe it gets out in the market, you find that actually that one thing that you thought you were so careful picking uh, was actually the wrong metric, and you figure that out, you know, something failed, and you're just like, well, the metric was, you know, very good, but the feature isn't doing well. We're getting a lot of complaints on it. So then you take those balls, get the feedback, and then you iterate the feature based on that. So, but it's a, it's a constant learning process, really. Yeah. You just have to be paying attention and, uh, yeah, just keep paying attention and be constantly improving. Huh, interesting. And how many users do you have? I mean, there's different ways to measure that, but uh, I guess have, active users, do you know? Yeah. Yeah, we have over 4 million actives. Wow. Wow, I mean, the the amount of analytics you must have. I, mean, it, I, I would think the the platform is keep, keeps getting more valuable as you have can analyze all those different events everyone's entering, and uh, that's pretty. Yeah, a, a bit, yeah. A, a, a big part of what we're doing is we're collaborating with academic institutions, universities to push forward advances in female health. So we're working with uh, universities and researchers at Stanford. University um, in California, Columbia University in New York, Oxford University in the UK, Washington University. So we have all of these collaborators uh, that are looking at the data from different perspectives to look for insights about how we can push forward female health. It's a big part of what we're doing, definitely. Huh, that's exciting. Interesting. That's a good idea. Because um, a, a lot of that research actually just stays in papers. And so if you guys immediately start using that research and put it into a, into the public, that's, that's pretty valuable. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're, yeah, what we're hoping to do is put it back directly, feedback into actual users. They open up the app and they have some insight about their health. That is a result of some real scientific research, interesting. not based off of some kind of poofy marketing kind of stuff. Uh, and then also looking for you know, how we extend that benefit out into the world, not even to clue users, right? Because we, there are things that just benefit everybody once that's out. And so a part of that collaboration, those collaborations that we have will be publishing and trying to make that publishing happen in more of a mainstream context. Hmm. Oh, that's great. That's why you need the mail app too. I guess the mails do use it, but uh, <laughs> at least for me. Oh, um, and it's all about me. No, just kidding. Just kidding. But, uh, uh, <laughs> Well, let's see. I, I got w one more question, and uh, I'm debating mm -hmm. between a couple, so not sure how to end it exactly. Um, I guess we'll go with, well, I'll let you choose. So one question could be, you know, how has kind of your design thinking changed since you've been at Clue? Has there been things that uh, has have made you a, a better designer, and why is that? And then, or... Um, you know, what do you see for the future of Clue? Uh, where, where do you want to take the, the app? And we already talked about some of it, you know, in the research, but is there anything else? 
as far as new features or new new capabilities? Yeah, we've got. Um, I think part of what we've been doing over the, in terms of the future features, uh, part of what we've been doing is trying to establish what we believe are the most important foundations, you know, of of the experience, and we feel that those foundations are in. Now and the next step for us is to start innovating and deepening. So one is to innovate and create new features uh, that hopefully then start to shift what the category means to people. Uh, and then the second area is really deepening and making those uh, those existing foundations that we have in the app more meaningful uh, and better. Uh, I think that people will start to have a, a very different experience of what the app is capable of over the next. Uh, say six to twelve months really? uh, should be a significant difference huh. coming up. Yeah, uh, in, a, in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. A lot of it, I think, uh, people have been. There's a lot of requests that we've had that we'll be filling finally. Uh, some more innovative stuff. Uh, yeah, that's coming up. Okay. And I would say to answer the first question, I would, uh, I would say that we've got a uh, an app that's successful out in the market. Something has changed about the strategy or the the design or maybe me also, is just uh, really going in it for the long haul. It's been three years now. We're very close to our community of users. Uh, they're very close to us in terms of the feedback and the amount of communication that we have with them, and it has had a profound impact on, on who we have. And we really hope that that dialogue continues and also continues to deepen. And I would say that's probably had the biggest uh, impact on, on our work. Huh. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you have a... Sounds like you have a, a wonderful community of uh, users, which is uh, that's powerful and, and and special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah. I guess we should probably end it. And uh, definitely appreciate you coming on. And this is a uh, mm -hmm. very interesting, and uh, it's great to what you're doing for women in the world. And uh, I appreciate what you're doing. And it was really interesting to hear about your how you come at design. So, I know I learned a lot, and hopefully the Everyone else would learn a lot too. So definitely appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, thanks for the good questions too. It was fun talking. All right, great. And uh, I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of the time in South Africa. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time on uh, Flyover Labs. All right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, everyone. Yep, yeah, bye bye.